Good morning. I am Phoebe Clark. I am the granddaughter of this amazing man right here. Um, I'm going to be reading our scripture today. I'll be reading 1 Kings 11, 1 through 4. Now King Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women, from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, You shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you. For surely they will turn away your heart after they are gods. Solomon clung to these in love. He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. Thank you, Phoebe. <clears throat> the freedoms that we enjoy, we look all over the world and <clears throat> see what's going on in other countries and other places, and, and we, we know that the freedoms that we have here, you have to fight for freedoms. You have to fight to get them, and you have to fight to keep them. And there are many through the years who have fought to keep the freedoms that, that we have. Uh, I just wanted to bring a, a word of honor and, and thank you. If you are a veteran would you stand if you're a veteran? Remain standing. Amen. Uh, I want to say a prayer for you guys. Okay. Father, I thank you for our nation. I thank you for the principles that it was built upon. Lord, I thank you for those who have uh, fought to give us these freedoms. And I thank you for those who are fighting now to maintain those freedoms. Lord, I thank you for these men and women here in this room who have served in our military, who have served you and their nation. And I would just ask blessings on them now that you would give them uh, peace in their hearts, that you would bless them uh, physically, spiritually, that you'd bless their families. And for those who are still serving, uh, as we all over the world, Lord, I, I would just ask that you would give grace and peace and safety to them, grace to their families uh, who are back home here. Lord, we thank you. Uh, for our country. Uh, in God we trust. In Jesus' name, amen. Wholehearted worship. Last Sunday, Justin uh, did a great job, of, and he taught us a lot about, about worship, about what it is. And, and he told us last week, reminded us, that Worship is an everyday acknowledgement of who God is, just of God's being, just who He is. 
an everyday acknowledgement, an everyday, I mean, it's every day and involves every part of our lives, just an everyday recognition of God's goodness, God's truth, and God's promises. And so we want to give all of ourselves, all of our hearts. It involves every part of, of our lives. It's a response to God. Our worship's a response to God and to what He has done. Matt read the Shema this morning. Uh, Deuteronomy 6, 5 was one of the uh, verse that, that all the Israelites knew because it was an important command for them. And in the Shema, it says this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might, all your strength. And this is how we're to love God. And when we love God this way, this is how our worship's going to be also. This is how it's going to be. King David was a good example of someone who worshipped God with all of his heart, his soul, and his strength. King David was a good example of that. In fact, every king who came after King David in both the northern uh, kingdom and the southern kingdoms of Israel after they split, all of them were compared to David. They were compared to King David. And we look at King David's life and we say, oh man, he scandalous. Yes, but King David always, he always repented, you know. I always, he always came back to the Lord, and he never went after other gods. He always just pursued God with everything that he had. And whatever you can say about King David, we know that he loved God from the bottom of his heart with everything he loved his Lord God. And so he's a good example, good example to the other kings, good example for, for us today. And today when we look at David's son, King Solomon, I want us to see some things that kept Solomon from worshiping God with his whole heart. Because some of these things are things that keep us from worshiping God with everything we have, every part of our being. These are hindrances. And some, some things, if you're keeping notes, one is this. We all have to be cautious of what we allow into our lives. We all have to be cautious of what we allow to come into our lives. We all have to protect ourselves from influences from the outside, from influences that would come in and turn our hearts away from God. And we're all under this constant pressure, right, to not love God with everything, you know, that, that we have. Well, uh, Phoebe read part of this, First uh, Kings 11. This is what King Solomon did. Verse 1, uh, now King Solomon loved many foreign women along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edenite, Sidonian, Hittite women. Do you see a problem? From all the nations, from the nations concerning which the Lord God, Yahweh, had said to the people of Israel, you shall not enter into marriage with them, neither they with you, 
because surely they will turn your heart after their gods. Turn your heart after their gods. But Solomon clung to these in love. He grabbed hold of these. He clung to these. He loved these women. He loved them. And he allowed these influences to come into our lives. See, when these when these foreign wives came in, and those 700 wives who were princesses, they, you know, they were, this were political marriages, you know, most of these. And, but when they came, they brought their gods with them. They brought their worship with them. And to them, worship of Yahweh, worship of the Lord God, was just the national worship of Israel, right? I mean, to them, that's what it was. But if they were from Moab, they brought the gods of Moab with them, and that's who they worshiped. And Solomon allows this to go on. Okay, And so Solomon, has, he's around these women all the time. He loves them. He clings to them. He won't let go of them. But he surrounds himself with these bad influences. And so he was under constant pressure, constant pressure to give in. Uh, we tell our kids, from the time they're young, but we tell our kids, we say, well, I don't know about you going over there, especially they get a little older. I don't know about you going over to that place. Or I don't know about you hanging out with those people. What, what are we saying? We're saying, I'm afraid they're going to be a bad influence on you. And they could turn your heart away from the Lord. I mean, that's what we're saying. And as our kids get older, they roll their eyes, right? And, and the, we, we look at what they're watching, and we see our kids watching this or kids spending screen time on this, and, and we're, we're concerned. And so we say, I just don't, I'm not comfortable with you spending so much time doing that, right? What are we saying? We're saying, I'm afraid it's going to be a bad influence on you. And, and you know what they say, or my teenagers did to me. Dad, I'm fine. I can handle it. It won't affect me. How dumb do you think I am? But we adults do the same thing. We've got to protect ourselves from influences that will draw our hearts away from God and distract us from God. Because God wants us to love Him with all of our, our heart and our soul and our might, our strength. And if something you know, scatters that, then we're not going to be wholly given, giving ourselves to the Lord. It can't happen. He wants all of us. The first commandment He gave them you shall have no other gods besides me. No other gods besides me. Uh, adults, we do the same thing, though. We allow things into our lives, <clears throat> things that bring temptation and difficulty for us. And you know what we tell ourselves? We say, I'm fine. This won't affect me. I just know that this won't affect me. You know, I'm, I'm fine. I can handle this. I can handle this. I mean, I'm not that dumb, right? I mean, that's what we tell ourselves. We convince ourselves of this. And even if our friends come to us and they say, oh, man, you, you know, I see you doing this, or I see you hanging out here, or this, this people, or whatever, and, you know, people are concerned about us, and you know what we say? I'm fine. I can handle it. It won't affect me. You know, this, I'm good. I'm good. How dumb do you think I am? 
I know that Solomon's friends, surely some of them came to him, and certainly the prophets of God, came to Solomon and said, Solomon, you're bringing in these foreign wives. They're worshiping their gods. God said not to even mess with that, not to open yourself up to that. You shouldn't be doing it. And you know what Solomon said? I'm fine. I can handle it. It won't affect me. The, the problem, though, the problem is, is that, that when we allow things in our lives, and there are some things that, that you know, that we're, that we're, um, that we're, I'm looking for a word, that we're, that we have to be around. That's not what I was looking for, but, you know, there are things and people we have to be around um, and get to be around for our ministry you know, that are, that are bad for us, but we allow a lot of things that are bad for us into our lives, and we just have to be cautious. It was a slow process, I think, with, with Solomon, a slow process, right? But it just seeps in. That influence just seeps in, you know, and it's slow. And I doubt that Solomon even knew that he was changing because at one point he loved the Lord his God with all of his heart, soul, and strength. He did. And I don't, think, I don't think Solomon ever said, you know, if I marry these women who worship these idols, I'm just going to end up worshiping those idols too. I don't think he ever thought that. I don't think it ever crossed his mind that that possibly could happen. But he was clinging to this, these women. And so I ask you, is there something that you are clinging to? Are you clinging to something that is drawing your heart away from God? and keeping you from being able to give your life as a living sacrifice to God? Are you clinging to something, holding on tight to something that is bad for you, and you know that it is? Well, it gets worse. A second thing, if we get our eyes off the Lord, how we see everything changes if we get our eyes off the Lord, if we lose our focus on the Lord, our perspective changes. How we view everything changes. And, and this, is, this is what happened to Solomon. Verse 3. He had 700 wives. Oh, my. <laughs> and I, I'm sure he said, well, I'm just trying to keep them happy. I mean, these were princesses, you know. I mean, they came from royal families, too. You know, and they were used to fine things growing up. And Solomon was saying, well, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just trying to keep my wives happy. Solomon, you've got 700 of them. It's not happening, brother. <laughs> Even, in fact, if you just have... No, never mind. <laughs> never. I'm, I'm moving on. He had 700 wives who were princesses. And by the way, if you're married to a princess, you are just most blessed. You are just... I want us to be clear that you are very blessed if you're married to a princess. And 300 concubines, this was his harem, and his wives turned away his heart. For when Solomon was old, he lived to be 60, so this was in his latter years, uh, they turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not, listen, wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. Solomon got his eyes off the Lord, and he started focusing on these women, and then he started focusing on their gods, and it's all he could see. His way of viewing things changed. 
He was seeing life through a different lens. And what Solomon was doing, to him, it was okay to have these women around him. In his view, it was okay for him to do that. In fact, he probably, maybe, even said, you know, I think in these latter years of my life, I just need some me time. You know, I, I mean, I've, been, I've lived my life serving others. You know, and, and I just, I don't know, I just feel like I need to do something for me. Why can't I turn loose a little bit and just do something for me? I, I can just hear him saying that. I mean, he said, after all, I built the temple. Right? I mean, the glory of God dwells in that temple that I built. In fact, it's called Solomon's Temple, and I built that. I supervised the building of that. I brought everything together for that building. Goodness gracious, I wrote the book of Proverbs. You know, haven't I done enough? I mean, it's the book of wisdom. I'm wise. I can handle this. But his focus was gone. I wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And he probably maybe wrote the book, the Song of Songs. It was at least written about him, right? But in his new way of seeing things, what he was doing was okay because it's what he wanted to do. It's what he deserved to do. And when we get our eyes off the Lord, we can look at something that we used to know that we were not supposed to do. And now it's okay for us to do it because in our view now... It's okay because we decide that it's okay. But it's contrary to the Word of God. We know better than that. But our worship to, the God, to God is not going to be what it should be because I'm telling you this influence is in our lives. He lost sight of the main thing, and it became all about him. It was all about Solomon. And it's easy for us to get our eyes off the Lord and everything to become all about us, pleasing ourselves. He wasn't thinking about pleasing the Lord anymore. He was thinking about pleasing himself, pleasing those, those wives. That's what he was thinking about. And we can't worship if we can't see what God's doing. And he wasn't looking at the Lord at all. He stopped seeing the miracles for miracles, you see. He stopped seeing the sky for something that beautiful that God made because he had another focus. You see, it's a slow process, a slow process. Not long ago, uh, Toby saw a little spider on the ceiling. And she gets, she gets weird around spiders. And, and so she says, come, could you come and take care of this spider? I mean, it's a, I, mean I barely see it. It's a little spider on the ceiling. We have eight-foot ceilings. And so I reached up to, to I stood on my tiptoes, reached up to swat it down, to knock it down, you know. And I missed, not the spider, I missed the ceiling. I, I missed the ceiling. And I stretched, I'm leaning on, you know, got hold of the wall so I'm for balance because, I mean, you know, I got to have that. So, so I'm standing on my tiptoes and I'm reaching as far as I can reach and I can't touch the eight-foot ceiling. And I'm thinking, she raised the ceilings? What has happened? She set a trap for me. And, you know, I'm, I'm, so I'm stretching and I'm trying to reach the ceiling. And I'm not missing it by this much. I'm missing it by a lot. I don't remember a time when I could not touch an eight-foot ceiling. I've been able to do that 
all my life, or at least since I was a teenager, you know, I can always do that. But, you know, there's been an influence in my life. Gravity. Age. I mean, those are influences in my life, right? And it's gradual and it's slow and we just don't notice it. But our hearts turn away from God and we're not as fired up, not as excited about God as we used to be, right? I mean, does it happen? You know, we come in here, and this is not the only time we're to worship by any means, but this is our corporate worship, and it's a very, very um, important time. And, and this time in here ought to fire us up for, for the rest of the week and get us through for our private times of worship, which should take place every day, all day, every day, as we just recognize God for who He is and give Him praise. But the uh, Whitney and the the praise team put together this service this morning, and, and they do that work on that every week and, and Wednesdays. And, and boy, it's just, it's just so good. And if you, if you sat through this this morning and, and you didn't get fired up over it, your wood's too wet. And you need to do something, you need to do something about that. A third thing. Wholehearted love brings wholehearted worship. Wholehearted love brings wholehearted worship. When we love God with everything, our worship is going to be with everything. When, when our love for God is without limits, our worship is going to be without limits. Without limits. Right? I mean, we're just going to let go before God. We're just going to trust Him with our lives. We're going to trust Him with our problems. And we're just going to look at him and trust him and give him praise and let him have it. It's not easy to do all the time. It's not easy to do. But that wholehearted love, God, I love you. I see you. You've got me. That wholehearted love leads to wholehearted praise and worship. Well, uh, we need to understand that Solomon continued to worship the Lord. Continue to worship the Lord, but he just added some things to it. Verse 5, for Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Look some of these gods up and see what their worship involved. I mean, this is astounding that Solomon did this. So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not wholly follow the Lord as David his father had done. He, he built altars for these wives, and he's worshiping their gods. And God compares them to David. As David, you didn't hold, you're not wholly following the Lord like David, your father, did. David, your father, wholly followed the Lord. We, we look at the life of David, and we see that when they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem... As David was king, they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem to put it in a tent that they built for it there. And so they're bringing it in, and David is walking before it. He has on a linen ephod. He's not naked. He just has on a linen ephod. His wife, Michael, looks out the window and sees him, and David is dancing before the Lord. This is 2 Samuel 6. He is dancing before the Lord with all his might. And his wife, Michael, who was a princess, looked out the window and she despised him 
in her heart because he was embarrassing her to death. Justin, he was out there dancing before the Lord, just turning loose, not holding anything back, a joyful praise, you know, before God of dancing. And he didn't, but he didn't have on his royal robes. There was no crown to be found if he wore one ever. Do you, do you, do you understand? And she was so upset with him, just so upset. And so that night, when he came home, Michael met him at the door. And she said, boy, you really showed your butt today. I shouldn't have said that like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, whoa. This is my last time up here, isn't it? <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Um, she said, <laughs> what she said was, <clears throat> actually, I think that's what she said. Uh, but what she said was, it's hot, it's so hot. Um, what she said was, you really showed yourself today, and you've embarrassed our family. You've embarrassed all my servants. You've, you've really embarrassed us. You really showed yourself out there today. You really did. David, are you proud of yourself now? Are you proud of yourself? And you, you know what he said? He said, you know, if today, if me dancing before the Lord today embarrassed you, just stick around because I'm going to do even more. I'm going to humiliate myself, humble myself before all, before God and before all the people, and I don't care what they think. And you know what the, the end thing that he told her was? He said, I will celebrate before the Lord. I will celebrate before the Lord. Regardless of who I am, regardless of my status, regardless of who is watching, regardless of what anybody thinks about it, David said, I love God with everything and I'm going to worship Him the same. You see? And so Solomon is going after these other gods. And, God, and the Lord says to Solomon, you're, you're not worshiping me like your father David did with everything that you have, everything that you have. Solomon continued to worship the Lord, but he added these other gods to his worship. He continued to go to the temple, and I'm sure he had his robes on for that, did King Solomon. He had his robes on, and he's going to the temple and, you know, they're saying, oh, there's Solomon, there's the king, you know, and he's offering all of his sacrifices and, you know, and such. And then he would leave there and go and offer sacrifices somewhere else. Let's read on a bit. Verse 7. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, and for Molech, human sacrifice involved there, and for Molech, the abomination of the Ammonites, on the mountain east of Jerusalem. And so he did for all of his foreign wives who made offerings and sacrifice to their gods. The mountain east of Jerusalem, that's what we know as the Mount of Olives. Solomon went to the Mount of Olives and he built altars, high places for his wives' gods and worshipped them there. And the kind of worship that they were doing is just astounding. And all of a sudden, uh, 
God becomes just another God that requires, the Lord God becomes just another God that requires a sacrifice to Solomon because he's got all these other interests as well. Does it make sense? It's making sense, right? Built altars on the Mount of Olives. We know it's from the Mount of Olives that Jesus spent the night before he was crucified for our sins. It's on the Mount of Olives that Jesus ascended into heaven. Solomon built altars there to these gods. It's there that the Lord is going to literally physically come back to the earth and his feet are going to touch down on the Mount of Olives and he's going to solve that whole mess over there in a moment. And he's going to solve our mess. And I'm just, I'm just telling you that this is a sacred place and a special place and Solomon built these altars there. Wholehearted love brings wholehearted worship and, and Solomon was not, he wasn't in it. His, his worship became routine and ours can too. If we're not careful, our worship becomes just another thing that we do during the week. Just another thing we do. Just another activity. Our worship can't be just another activity. He is the Lord. We are His. He made us. We need to recognize Him for who He is. We just can't go through the motions, folks. We just can't just go through the motions. Another thought. People around us notice our worship. People around us notice our worship. I'm not trying to make you paranoid. Well, a lot of you are already paranoid, and I had nothing to do with that. But people around you notice your worship. And I'm not just talking about while you're in here. People around you in here notice your worship too. It depends on how you sing. If you're really good, people notice. And if you're really bad, people notice. If you're kind of in the middle, you know, nobody may notice. But nobody cares. That's the truth. Nobody cares. People around us notice our worship. People around us know what kind of impact God has in our lives. Listen, our children know what kind of impact God has in our lives. Our children know exactly the impact that the Lord God of heaven has in our everyday lives, in our thought processes, in our activities, in our emotions, how we handle things. Our children see our response to God. They see our love for God and our response to God. People around us notice our worship. And we're trying to teach our kids to worship God as well. Well, they know what kind of impact God has on our lives. We just need to make sure that, that God has an impact on our lives. Because the people who are around you, the people who know you, This is what happened, verse 9. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing. Specifically, don't go after other gods. 
that you should not go after other gods. But he did not keep what the Lord commanded. Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, Since this has been your practice, and you've not kept my covenant and my statutes as I've commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and give it to your servant. Solomon, your family is going to lose the throne because this has been your practice. This is your lifestyle to not just to not worship me, but to go off and worship these others. Sometimes our lifestyle is this. God, I'm going to give you my heart, this part of it. And I, well, that part of my heart, I'm dedicating to you. I'm giving you all of that. I'm just, God, Lord, that part of my heart is yours. I just fully, wholly give it to you. But this other part over here, Lord, it's kind of mine, and I'm just going to do with it what I want to do. Do you, do you see? That's what he was doing. Lord, I've given you, Lord, I still go to the temple to worship, you know, and I've given you that part, you know, but I've got this other part, you know, and I've got those wives, and I've got those temples I've built now, I mean, those, uh, those uh, altars I've built now, and I need to go there, and do you, do you see? God doesn't want part of us. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, with everything that you have. That's what he wants from us. Do we give him less than that? What we do not only affects us, but it affects others. How we act, how we respond to God, you know, it affects others. Solomon should have been asking himself, what does my how does my behavior affect this country I'm leading? Because you know what the country did? You know what the nation did? They followed Solomon and worshiped other gods. That's what the nation did. That's often what nations do, follow the leader. What kind of example am I being to those people who are around me? To those people who see me every day, to those people I go to work with, what kind of example am I being to them? Are they seeing the impact of God in my life? Are they seeing it, right? The, to me, <clears throat> the saddest thing about this whole story is that, <clears throat> and I don't know what happened between God and Solomon before he died, you know, and I, I just, you know, hope they, you know, that everything was good. And, between them before he died and and but I don't know what happened but I do know this Solomon didn't tear down those altars 300 years later those altars are still on the Mount of Olives 300 years later more than 16 kings in the southern kingdom in Judah and those altars are still there on the Mount of Olives. King Josiah, during his revival, finally tore those down and desecrated those places. 300 years. Do you think that what Solomon did impacted others? It impacted the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. It matters that we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul and our strength and that we worship him out of that 
We love him that with all we've got, we worship him with all we've got. Regardless of who is looking, regardless of the sins I've committed this week, regardless of how I happen to feel about myself right now, I will worship him. Lord, I worship you. I give you praise. Well, if you're clinging to something that's bad for you, come to the Lord. This morning you can come to the altar, pray, you can pray there, you can pray later. You just, but if, you, if you're clinging to something that you know is bad and detrimental in your spiritual life, why don't, you, why don't you talk to the Lord about that and ask Him wisdom how to deal with it? You don't know which direction to go and you maybe feel like you've made a mistake, you really don't know what to do. God will give you the wisdom to deal with it. But we've got to take it to Him. You've compromised your values. You've let the influence seep in, and now you can't reach the ceiling because of that constant influence bearing down on you. Confess it to the Lord. Confess it to the Lord. You've lost your focus on the Lord, and you're seeing everything the way you want to see it, and everything has to go the way you want it to go. Look up. Look up. Worship has become dull and routine for you. Just another part of your week. Turn to him. Turn to him. Look, we, we serve a God of love and forgiveness. We are not trapped. Forgiveness is waiting. Dallas is going to be here at the front. Um, and he and others will pray for you if you want to come up here. Folks, it's time that we showed our children what it means to love God wholeheartedly and to worship Him wholeheartedly. It's time for us to take a stand. And if you need to come to the front. Lord, I'm caught up in Your presence. I just want to sit here at Your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. Oh, I'm not here for blessings. Jesus, you don't owe me anything. More than anything you can do, Lord, I just want you. Amen? Let's sing that together. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet.